0: Hi, everybody. This is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development. I'm delighted to have David Samore here from David Samore and Associates. Welcome, David.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to be here to have a nice conversation with you, Craig. I
0: was looking at your LinkedIn profile and you've had such a wide range of leadership experiences. I'd love to to have you tell us about what you're doing now, your company and your role and the different activities you do around leadership.
1: Well, after putting in a full career with a large public American school system as mostly principal, of the 35 years I served there, I spent 24 years as a school head, as a principal. I uh, spent a lot of time as an assistant principal as well, then I taught before that. I retired about a year and a half ago, it'll be two years, January, and having a great deal of energy and uh, an interest in continuing to contribute, I created my own LLC, my own uh, company, Uh, So I could continue to provide both motivational speaking opportunities to to myself and also to others who I'm training uh, because I did so much of that during my regular career. But also helping people in terms of climbing their direction, their trajectory to become leaders with significance
0: you mentioned about spending some time being an assistant principal or a vice principal. How important is that number two role in developing our craft as leaders?
1: Being, uh, as you call it, the number two role, vice principal, assistant principal is absolutely key. Uh, I have many, many horror stories of people that have gone from teaching in the classroom to running an entire school. And because all over the world, there are different sorts of paradigms and structures for how schools are run, and I could come up with many examples of that, but at the end of the day, when you run a school, especially in the 21st century, and you're the director or the head, the responsibilities and the scope of the job is so vast, is so all-encompassing that the only true way to cut your teeth is to be a vice principal or a sister principal. Now, even there, you'll have a sliver or a section of what it must feel like having felt this way myself and anyone who's become a principal will look back and say, you know, when I was an assistant principal, I was very good at what I did and I felt accomplished. And then I was given the job as principal and I started, felt like I was starting over again. So though it is absolutely key to be in that position, in in a real way, unless the principal, you're the assistant principal for, gives you opportunities to explore all aspects of the principalship, which would include onboarding of candidates, talent acquisition, budgeting, curriculum, all the various things that go into keeping the building a safe place for all of the inhabitants. If you're not exposed to those things, the principalship could be a rude awakening. If
0: we can dig a little bit deeper into that, There are are some, I think across industries, there are common challenges that the number two person has. What do you think are the right sort of um, perspectives and mindset that a number two has to grapple with and maintain to be successful?
1: I think uh, the basic needs for a leader who is going to become a master leader is humility. First and foremost, you have to be willing to understand you have a lot to learn, even if you know a great deal. So, the humility to be a good student and to observe, to learn, to ask questions, to stay a little longer, to probe a little deeper, to understand at different levels the complexities and the moving parts, because one of the huge challenges of any person, and frankly, in any leadership position, in any organization, private or public, because I also work in private organizations too but the similarities are there, is that there are many moving parts. And understanding how you connect those dots is truly, in a way, the grand mystery of leadership. So uh, I think the best way to address your question is, if you're lucky enough, blessed, call it what you will, to be in the kind of second-in-command position of being the the leader of any organization, school, and so forth, Being willing to ask questions, listen, offer honesty. And the second quality is honesty. There's no question that uh, you have nothing to gain by pretending you think one thing when in fact you think another. Because for you to continue to move forward, that combination of the two H's, the honesty and humility, really combine for a powerful experience so that you can continue that leadership as a student. But then you know so much more.
0: So humility and honesty. Why don't you share? I'd love to hear from you. You know the training that you do, and the leadership development that you do. Do you have a certain methodology that you use when you do your trainings?
1: Yes. Uh, first and foremost, I recognize the power of culture of an organization. Uh, everyone has to remember that every organization is effectively an organism, and and any organism. Uh, we learn biology, and it's true because I've taught organizational management at the university level, graduate or undergraduate. Organ- organisms seek homeostasis. In other words, they seek a balance. They seek a sense of calm waters. But the truth is, for us to go through a learning process, a transition process, that equilibrium is at least temporarily disturbed. So when we disturb the equilibrium, that's the learning process, it can be stressful. So the way I approach it is the culture of the organization will give you a lot of understanding of how well it will weather that disequilibrium. So for example, uh, the culture of a school or a business uh, needs to have at its basis, a sense of trust among the stakeholders. Oftentimes, and and nowadays particularly, especially in the country I live in, uh, it's almost in vogue to distrust people, uh, largely due to the leadership that we currently have and the political strife, and I don't want to get into that. But the truth is, until people trust one another to work and, and do their jobs well, not just stay in your lane, but take your job seriously, do it to the best of your ability. If you don't know, ask. That sense of trust that must be there in the culture will really help an organization thrive and survive. So I approach from a cultural aspect, first and foremost. Secondly, and we talk about values, because this is all part of that trust, that overlying, overarching need for trust, is what I call the three shared values. Now, these three shared values that I'm going to share with you, Craig, are frankly universal about 15 years ago, the University uh, Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut did a huge, very multi-million dollar study on something that I had developed with my staff seven years earlier, which was to answer this question. Is there a set of universal values, shared values, that all cultures, all known cultures, small, large, technologically advanced, technologically more primitive, Regardless of the country, the language they speak, are there a set or is there a set of shared values? And it turns out there is. And the Yale study and my work with 27 teachers one summer, it was, it was remarkable how it turned out to be the same, yield that there are three shared values. And all cultures operate healthily, whether it's a business, whether it's a school or a family, if these three values are in place. Number one, respect, mutual respect. You have to respect the people who work for you. You have to respect, because if you don't respect, it's very clear. And this is true, this is transcultural. Without respect, you get no respect. So it's not like some people who think they have to be respected because they're in a position. that's not how humans work. You respect openly, you respect everyone. The second one is responsibility. Take responsibility for your actions. Again, this is transcultural. This is international. There's no culture that doesn't have these three shared values. So people who blame others for things they did quickly deteriorates in an organization, quickly creates a toxicity in the organization. And the third one, which frankly, many organizations will know that they need to do the first two, but they will often ignore this last one, which is relationships. So in a way, it's three R's. Respect, responsibility, relationships, relationships, how you interact with each other, and, and this goes back to the culture of the organization, we're all connected. Everything we do, good or bad, affects those around us. So it is that stone tossed in the water, the ripples reach distant shores. No one operates in isolation. So if you do something that's good for our organization, that benefits others, it benefits far more many people than you may know. And if you do something that's toxic or, or detrimental to the organization, that too has a way of hurting others. So I always begin my training. For example, I'm just working a contract with a private school that is determined to be the best private elementary school in the state of Florida. Well, that's fine. Uh, I, they know they've got work to do. And I'm going to help them kind of see some of the things they can do in a different way, better, I hope. Uh, but it's going to start with those three shaded values.
0: Must be exciting to work with an organization which has a big goal. Repeat the question. Must be exciting to work with an organization that has a big goal like this. Oh,
1: yes. But, but understand that reaching, that is true, because um, that's quite a goal to have, of course. There are a lot of metrics to determine how you're doing on your way to that goal. But at the end of the day, uh, this is a surprising thing. It's in my own experience as a school leader we were able to rise to the top of quite a number of metrics, in spite of the things that people thought about what our school could do, even people within our own district. I was the principal for 18 years of a middle school, Title I, a lot of uh, poorer children, uh, very few white children in the school. But we outperformed so many other schools because we put these sorts of culture aspects in place, we monitored them, and we were consistent. In other words, those three shared values will lead to greatness. But even the leader of the school has to exhibit them. It can't be that, well, the children need to respect me, but I don't need to do that. No, It has to be seen everywhere. Parents come from off campus, a visitor. uh, Craig Hansen comes from off campus. Yes, even visitors have to abide by those three shared values. And the funny thing is, Craig, When you work with a school that has lofty goals, when they understand that it's the mystery of how you get there really isn't a mystery, it's actually fairly simple. It's just very hard to do. And the reason it's hard to do is because you have to stay consistent. You have to never lose sight of your mission. And frankly, that's very, very easy to do. Most organizations fail because of that. They'll change leaders. They will have one trajectory with one mission and then someone else who says well i've got to do it my way why well that's your ego you're satisfying you're not really helping the community but this is something that that leaders sometimes uh, are tempted to do is to leave their stamp well that's okay you'll leave your stamp because you're different you can't avoid that but you also have to remember what what rocket ship what flight pattern what trajectory is this school on? So when someone comes in, and that's another advantage of an assistant principal, especially if you work at the organization, is you already live that culture. So you don't have to learn it from the outside.
0: So you were uh, leading the, the school for 18 years, I think you said. Do you think that there are the benefits of longevity and having the same leader for a longer period of time?
1: I would have to say absolutely, if it's the right leader. Um, I think the key really is, is determining who that leader is. And, and I'll give you just a real quick scenario. When I, in fact, it was just uh, a couple of days ago, I celebrated my 20th anniversary of taking that school over, August 16th, 2000. I remember it very well. And <clears throat> there had been interviews for the principalship. And at that time, they had a huge panel of people where at the table, and I interviewed, there were 15 people around the table. There were parents, school district personnel, community leaders, business leaders, teachers. They even had a student. And frankly, that's a great idea because that way you have this variety of stakeholders. So imagine you're sitting at the table, all of these people, you really don't know anyone. And they ask you questions about how you handle things. And I remember at the end of that interview, uh, they, they always ask this question, was well, there anything else you'd like to share? So I said, yes, I would. I said, I am going to give 100% to the children and always put them first above all others. The children will matter more than everyone. And if that's the kind of principle you want, I'm your guy. If that's not, I'm sure you have other candidates. I got up, thanked them, and I left. Now they were looking for someone bilingual, speak multiple languages, and they wanted someone that spoke Spanish, which I do with Native fluency, they picked me. I already knew this, this culture because I had a house and raised our children in the same community some years before. The point was, I do believe they picked the right person for that school. So I was able to continue doing great things because I completely embraced the school and they embraced me when that happens yes longevity is huge unfortunately there are some people who are in charge of the structure organizations who hire leaders and they they have frankly which is and i'm not even sure in private enterprise it's a good idea they have this notion that they have to impose leadership change i've seen this happen or they will say we don't leave principals in any one school for more than three years. Which frankly is foolish because for a principal to be in a school three years, it really is in your third year that you're actually starting to hit your stride. It takes at least two years to gain the trust and the faith of the people you're working for as the the principal. So yeah, your question about longevity is an excellent one. Uh, I think as long as things continue to go in a trajectory that is improvement or students always come first, I think many years can be very beneficial. If, uh, on the other hand, you've got someone that's really a bad fit, it's poisonous for the school. You need to change horses.
0: Right. David, in the few moments that we have left, I'd love for you to share your ideas about how aspiring leaders can seek out certain learning experiences to uh, prepare them for the next stage of their development?
1: The suggestions I would give are are a couple. There are many, but I will just focus on a couple. First of all, uh, seek out experiences for deficiencies you know you have. So for example, if you don't know anything about budgeting for a school, and you're the assistant principal, and that is true, that happens. these are things, of course, you ask your principal. And if your principal says, I don't have the time, go elsewhere. Seek out those who know more than you. Take your deficiencies, build them into strengths. That's one. Two, never say no to an opportunity to know culture better. So, for example, if there is, you may have a background in one particular culture that you're very comfortable with but here's a school or your school has something or maybe an area that you're interested in where there's a totally different culture, maybe even a different language. Rather than wait until you're there to try to figure that out, go to a cultural celebration, have dinner with people, get to know them because the truth is when people cross cultural lines, everyone gains. And the last thing I would say, this is really important, Greg, uh, to move forward in leadership You really have to have at least one champion, someone that is your biggest fan, someone that says, I think Craig Hansen is the next great thing. Now, if you do not have that person, it can be very frustrating because that person has to be in a position and have a reputation of being listened to. Because if it's someone that no one pays attention to, that champion really can't help you very much. So that requires the assistant principal, the aspiring leader, look around. And if you don't know anyone, take them to coffee, call them up and say, I'm really hungry to learn. I've heard great things about you. Do you have 30 minutes or an hour? And then after that sort of introduction, you'd be surprised how many people who, I, I mentor many, many aspiring leaders because they know that I'll take the time. And they know that I don't, I'm not interested in getting paid i'm interested
0: in making the world better because they were there that's fantastic so find experiences to build up what is a deficiency into a strength Um, never say no to learning about culture and find a champion who could open the door that's That's fantastic david we're going to put with the show notes with the description with the video uh, your linkedin profile what's another way for someone to reach out to you if they want to
1: I'm on the major streams for social media, so I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I also have just started my own YouTube channel, which frankly, that just started about a month ago. I'm expanding that to where at least every two weeks I'm posting a 10 to 12 minute, uh, well, I vlog every week. If a person were to look at the social media, they would see that I post a one to two minute vlog every Wednesday in two languages. I do it in Spanish and I do it in English. So I can reach as many people as possible. Uh, so I vlog, but uh, and uh, follow me on on YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, or Facebook, or uh, I missed one already, uh, uh, Instagram. So all of those things I think are a great way to follow what I do and get more information about specific leadership uh, training that I do. Because I will focus on my YouTube channel on something specific. For example, I just did one on leader on the uh, how to enhance success in interviewing uh, skills because interviewing isn't quite as easy as it's not really hard but a lot of people miss the mark um and so following me on youtube is a good way to do that or, or watching my weekly vlog vlogs
0: david Timore, thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom
1: well craig it's been a pleasure i i just wish i could go ahead and say let's go out for a beer we'll get to know each other better Uh, But maybe that opportunity will come when I get out to New Zealand because my brother-in-law wants to go there. So don't be surprised if I say I'm coming. It might be a year from now. I don't know. And we'll have that beer.